What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new season of Playing the Field. I'm your host, Kurt Field, and I could not be more excited to welcome a co-host for season two, a guest from season one, my dear friend, Ben Briskin. I'm going to call him Bruno. I know all his friends at home call him Ben, but to me, you are Bruno, so that is what I'm going to call you. Bruno, thank you for coming on permanently for season two. Well, Kurt, I, thank you for having me. Uh, as you said, it's your boy, Benny B, Brisk Ice T, a.k.a. Bruno, whatever you want to call me. Wow. I'm here for it. I like that. Did you think about that on the way here? Um, it's kind of a special shout out from home, but uh, bringing it to the podcast. What, you did know? You, what was the Ice T reference? Give me that again. Give uh, me that again. Benny B, Brisk Ice T. Wow. Brisk, you know the yeah, name. That's so, pretty smooth, out. not going to lie. Yeah. However, whichever <laughs> friend came up with that, that's pretty smooth. Um, so, yeah, guys, season two. Um, well, I'm going to back up. First of all, thank you all very much for listening to season one. Far and beyond exceeded expectations. Uh, it was a fun little quarantine thing where I was so bored. I just wanted to get something out there and do it. And I had a blast. I had a blast. I will say towards the end of it, I'm, I didn't get bored. I would just say it got tedious. It got really, really tedious. Um, so the break, the two-month break was much needed. Um, but I am super, super, super excited to get ready for season two. And, uh, if you guys saw any of the announcements on social media or whatever, um, basically what we're going to do for season two is it's going to be all about the NFL and all about the Patriots. So way back to our Yukon days, uh, in the, in the back room, deep within Gample Pavilion, the deep, heart, the heart, Gample. the heart of Gample, deep, deep in the heart of Gample. Uh, Bruno and I kind of always, has always joked about doing a podcast and like, here we are. So we're doing it. Um, and like I said, if you're not a Patriots fan, that's fine. There's going to be some NFL stuff too. If you're a Patriots fan, I, you're going to enjoy this because we're going to get into um, a whole bunch of different aspects of both the NFL and the Patriots. Um, similar to what, what I did in season one. We will be dropping episodes on Wednesdays, so technically Tuesday night at midnight, but going into Wednesday. Um, and I will be also, It's I'm going to mix in a couple of episodes with guests along the way as well, but like that won't be you know what, what I did in season one per se. So a uh, heavy focus on the NFL and um, the Patriots, and uh, that's what kind of what we got on tap for you. So we are just going to dive right into it. With uh, we're gonna start with the NFL and then we will transition to some Patriots topics as we kind of go on here. So, Bruno, for me, this off season for the NFL has felt so weird for for a variety of different reasons, right? It kind of really started at the beginning of quarantine, but it has it, it kind of felt similar to NBA free agency in the fact that so many major players, so many like former superstars, current you know, really solid players switch teams. Obviously you have Tom Brady leaving for the bucks. You have Phillip rivers going to Indy Todd Gurley, who was, you know, a couple years ago, everyone wanted him as the number one pick in their NFL fantasy football draft. And now he was like kind of dead weight out in Los Angeles or, and now he's, now he's back home in Atlanta. So just that type of stuff. I, I what was your take on it? Cause to me it was, it was kind of bonkers. It was kind of weird how, how all that happened. 
Yeah, I think the way you described it was pretty spot on in terms of comparing it to the NBA because it always feels like NBA free agency is like an absolute event. It's like tracking this star player, tracking that star player. And maybe it's because, you know, the NBA has less players or maybe it's because the stars, you know, it's easier to focus on the stars there. But I completely agree. It felt like, you know, we may be a little biased, obviously, with the Brady news dominating the the offseason and obviously that being personal for us. But again, it's like... <clears throat> not that I'm comparing these two players, but like it, it was almost like you know LeBron taking his talents to South Beach, Brady taking his talents to Tampa. It's like very on similar, that magnitude, very, like very, very the similar. decision in NFL terms. But yeah, not even just Brady, just all the players. It definitely felt crazy, and you know it, it's almost leading to a point where it's like a lot of the things you could count on, both in terms of being an NFL fan or like you said for fantasy, a lot of players right. like Todd Gurley. It's almost like a lot of the the things you could always count on. Even Phil Rivers, like you could always count on Phil Rivers. You know, right. having some crazy Charger games. Yeah. Now it's like, like what is it? Greg Olson is now in like Seattle or something. Yeah. It's like just things like that. Or Big Emmanuel, names. Emmanuel Sanders is now in uh, New Orleans with the yeah. Saints. Just or like, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, oh, dude, it's like <laughs> it's wild. Crazy. It's so wild to me. Davion Clowney just signed with the Titans. It's right. like what are like what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone know what's Does happening? Anyone know what's going on? But I think. I don't know. I think that's maybe why I think I'm more excited for the NFL now than I ever have been before. And I think, you know, that's for a variety of reasons, but there is just so much unknown right now. And I, I think it's going to be so interesting to kind of watch it all unfold and, and see how it transpires. Hopefully throughout the course of a full NFL season, obviously we don't know, but we can hope. Um, But I don't know. I just think there's going to be, I think it's going to be absolutely banana land, and I'm I'm very excited to see it. Um, what do you think about you know not having any preseason games when the when the Texans and Chiefs kick off on Thursday night? Like that's 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 the first NFL football we've had since the Super Bowl. Yeah, we we're literally going from zero to hundred real quick. Like <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. Like I know you know. We're counting down the days and the seconds and the hours till Thursday night to see that game. A, you know, because it's a good game, but it almost like doesn't feel real. It's like the no pre the no preseason thing is just so like usually we get like gradually bought in, and then with each preseason game, it can either ramp up or whatever. It's like yeah, we're getting all these news right now about player cuts. So that's kind of like our first kind of like oh like this is getting real. But yeah, we're just jumping right in. I I mean, it's gonna be very interesting if the week one to three or week one to four games if it feels like the quality of preseason games not like it's hard to really simulate those games obviously right. with the preseason right but now I th- without i think that's so spot on and i think that makes a difference for like let's just take tom brady and the bucks or philip rivers and the colts or cam newton and the pats these these quarterbacks who have made huge system changes and they're going to a completely new system a completely new team and a completely new environment they haven't really had the opportunity to have that like test run. You have not been able to get out there with your offense and, and go. Sure, you can do it in practice and you can simulate it to some extent, but like come on. It's not it's not the same as when you got eleven people on the other side of the ball literally trying to kill you on every single play. It's just not it's not the same. Yeah, and, and on top of that, I mean, we always see these playoff races coming down to the wire and it's like separated by a game or two and like these week one to four games, you know, as funny as it might sound, like that whoever is best prepared for the start and can pull out some early wins might have the upper edge on yeah. play. Like that could be the difference between it, playoffs and no playoffs. It could be sloppy. It it really could be sloppy out of the gate. And I know 
as like a Patriots fans, uh, we're kind of used to Bill Belichick treating the first four games kind of like we like we'll see how it goes, um, and then we'll we'll make sure we're trying to peak by December. But I I think you're so right in the fact that that it it might be like a preseason for the first four games. Obviously. You don't have 90 people on your roster. You're not getting in day three picks and all these undrafted people. But, you know, in terms of what you can call from a schematic standpoint, it's you might not be where you, where you sh- normally are in week one, two, and three. Yeah, and, and I also wonder, I mean, you've touched on it a lot, and it's a great point about these, like, wholesale changes some of these teams have been uh, undergoing, especially with quarterbacks. But I wonder if we're really going to see a pronounced difference from teams like the Chiefs or the Ravens who have like their established teams there they you know they re-sign players but for the most part there's comfort in there and not much has changed or like you know in the NFC like Cowboys or maybe the 49ers those teams that didn't have those changes I wonder if we're going to come out and see like a vastly different level of play from teams like those versus you know it whether it's the Bucks or Pats or or any of these other teams yeah I will I think they're probably at a pretty high advantage like a distinct advantage in the fact that they they didn't change much, um, so I, I really do think they have a, an advantage in that in that sense of things. And something this is kind of technical, and you know, some of the NFL nerds like myself would probably find this interesting. But like you you mentioned, roster cuts going uh, happening this week, uh, this past week, and you know, teams went from like ninety to eighty, and then eighty to fifty three. So that's you're you're cutting a lot of meat from your from what you've been practicing with all summer. Um, and something that's unusual, I think I saw this tweet. I should have pulled it up, but I don't have it. It was something like normally during roster cuts, there are like 40 something NFL players who get like cut from a team and then signed to another team. And the, but this year there were only like 12 who got cut and then signed with another team. And I, I, I think that's probably because a lot of these guys who got cut are these day three picks. So when I say day three, I mean like rounds uh, four, five, six, or seven in the NFL draft, and then uh, the undrafted free agents who have signed to um, to teams. And a lot of those guys who get cut are at a, a huge disadvantage this year because there's no tape on them. So you know, typically throughout the course of four games in the preseason, that's that is the chance for these guys who who might not have the biggest name for themselves to go out there and put their product onto tape and if another if like let's just take the Patriots for example if they cut someone a seventh rounder this year but he he flashed on tape you know there's probably a good chance another team scoops him up so obviously the Patriots might like to get him on the practice squad but typically if there's enough tape and enough evidence on a guy fine that someone will come in and take him but because they didn't get that this year what you what you saw was that they would get cut and they would either re-sign to the practice squad or that was kind of it for them. So huge, huge disadvantage for them and a huge um, difference from from years prior in that sense. So I kind of nerded out there for a second. I apologize. You're probably going to get that a lot. Bruno's used to it. Hey, I'm used to it. Hey, nerds are us. Nerd. Be proud. <laughs> nerds are us, baby. <laughs> but I think that kind of goes into the next point and what a, like a challenging offseason this has been for rookies. Um, you know, I don't know exactly the dates or whatever, but the rookie mini camps got like completely negated and then OTAs got kind of pushed and everything else got pushed. And basically you're, you're, these rookies were just thrown to the fire uh, across the NFL. And it'll be like, I think this kind of goes to my point too. And your point, Bruno, about where, when we start these first four weeks, it's going to be a learning curve from them. It's going to be a huge learning curve for them. Obviously, some of these rookies are unbelievable, like the, some of the higher draft picks or whatever. But 
you know, it's it's. I know football is kind of like riding a bike. You're, you you kind of figure it out as you go, but you can't tell me that some of these college schemes and NFL schemes are anything alike. So um, it, the rookies, I think, are really going to have a challenge, especially at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, and just adding on to what you said, I mean, having to start your transition from college to pros where, you know, obviously, like you said, the schemes are way different, the athletes are way different, it's the best of the best in the NFL, and, you know, you have to start some of your camps by, you know, meeting the coaches and staff on zoom and like trying to do workouts on your own and like, you know, maybe getting delayed and getting the playbook or even if you get it, not being able to practice it because things are still up in the air. And like you said, now, you know, sure they got into rookie camp later in the summer and then the rest of the team came and they had some time. Right. But mm-hmm. it's like for people trying to learn that one of the best ways you can do that, obviously is by like practice and repetition and by doing it. And I know that sounds obvious, but like you said, not having that opportunity to go like make some mistakes or work through the right. kinks in Absolutely. the preseason, Absolutely. you know, challenging for any player, but especially rookies, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, like you said, the teams with more veterans or the teams with more rookies, how that affects kind of them coming out of the gate in, you know, the early weeks. No doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. And I, I wonder how it was for like coaches trying to like get them up to speed. Um, again, it kind of goes back to tape, but, and I'm, I, I know every NFL team tapes practices and stuff, and there's, there's definitely teaching moments you can take from practice, no doubt about it. But when you're like out there and you're, you're really getting into it, I mean, during a, a preseason game in the NFL, most people think preseason games are kind of boring and, you know, they're not wrong. They are, they do get kind of boring and kind of tedious, but, um, that's like, that's when I talk about that learning curve. That's when those rookies and guys who are trying to prove that they can make an NFL roster, that's when they get their time to shine. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how a lot of the rookie class responds to all the adversity that they were kind of faced with this off season. Um, Speaking of this offseason, there have been a ton of changes um, from like a rules perspective, and I we're not going to get into all of them because we could literally just do an entire podcast. Uh, it'd be a boring podcast, but it'd be an entire podcast. We could, we could but and we're going to steer yeah. clear of that <laughs> about all the rule changes that kind of happened uh, in the NFL this year. Um, but one big one, and it's not really a rule change, but it's a, a format change, we'll call it, is. The NFL uh, completely kind of revamped the way that they're doing playoffs. So in the past, uh, I think since, I, I don't know, a long time, since I've kind of watched the NFL and been alive, that they've had um, six teams from each conference. So the um, the AFC and the NFC have made it. The first two seeds get a bye. And then the last, the five and six seeds are wild card teams. So that's kind of how it's always been. This year, that's not how it's going to be. Instead of six teams in each conference, it's going to be seven teams in each conference uh, with only the number one seed getting a bye. So that's a huge, that is a huge, huge, huge difference because, um, again, I don't have the stat in front of me or anything, but uh, something like if you're the one of the two seed in the past in the NFL and you've gotten that first round bye, I think it's like, Almost seventy percent of the time, the one or two seed represents that team and the uh, represents that conference in the Super Bowl. So, getting that first round by is so so important. And it could be in the past, it could be if you're the one or the two seed, and now it's just the one seed. So, obviously, a lot more pressure on getting that one seed. But Bruno, what is your take? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you neutral about it? Well, how do you feel about it? Well, 
I think you you kind of nailed the point about the teams getting buys. I mean, I, obviously, if you didn't know by now, we're both Patriots fans. So, you know, not to brag, but we're kind of used to the buys. Surprise. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for me, for personal reasons, it's definitely strange only having the number one seed have a buy because, you know, we've had plenty of times where even we're the two seed. So maybe we're not the one, but we still get that buy. And it's like you just have to win. You just don't have to play that one extra game that puts you on the path to getting to the Super Bowl. So... I'm not sure how I feel. It, it almost feels kind of weird. Like, at least when you had two buys, it was like, okay, at least there's two teams. So, like, they're together in it. But then having one, it's like the six other teams are playing and then only one gets to get that buy. I mean, obviously, if they're at the number one seed, they deserve it because they are the best and they had the best record in the conference. Right. So, I'm not going to say, you know, it wasn't earned. Like, earned, not given. <laughs> um, but it, it definitely will be interesting. And, you know, we always have this rest versus rust um, debate. Or is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like... We'll see, you know, I'm interested to see this year. I mean, you know, typically if you're the one seed, you're going to be pretty good. So whoever you're they're playing in the first game, they're still going to have a good chance of winning. But it will be interesting to start tracking over these next coming years um, how the teams with the buys end up doing and if, if they continue that trend of making it to the Super Bowl. Right. To get back to your original question, though, I, I mean, I don't know. Part of me feels like, I don't want to get to a point where like every team makes the playoffs because you do want it to mean something, right. but it, it is only one extra team. So, you know, I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm super positive or negative on it. I will say that though, that like I saw a tweet. Um, and again, I probably should have pulled it up, but here we are. Here we are. We're over two today yep. so far. I saw a tweet that showed who would have made it the past like 10 years if there was that seventh spot. And it, Honestly, it wasn't, it didn't look like a lot of great teams. Like maybe every once in a while there was like that one deserving team, but for yeah. the most part, like the records of that seven spot yeah. weren't great. You're looking at like teams who are seven and nine, right. eight and eight, nine and seven making right. it. So, like, yeah. the probability of them going on a run is low, I feel yeah. like. And but I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, Giants back in the day. Yeah. You know, the sixth yeah. And, you know, we're not going to talk about the outcome of that, but right. they, they went on a run. So I guess it could happen. But I, I right. feel the same as you that it's got to get to a point where we don't need it. We don't need everyone. Right. We don't need everyone. It's, uh, as a Patriots fan, it's kind of like an elite thing. We're, we're used to making the playoffs. Some of these other scoundrel teams. <laughs> not scoundrels. Used to sc- scoundrel teams. I don't know why I said that word. Um, <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Because we're talking, what are 32 teams in the NFL? Yeah. So they're going to be 14 teams. We're all we're talking about almost, almost half, half the league. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a lot. That's a lot of making the playoffs. But I do. I kind of like the fact that I kind. I don't know. I kind of like the fact that that's only one team who gets a bye because I feel like the quality of play in games later in the season are going to be better because teams are going for that. That 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 only buy because I know as Patriots fans, like they've had the at least the two seed locked up by like weeks fifteen. So games sixteen, seventeen are kind of like mm, we get a buy anyway. So who really gives a shit about how we how we play it? Now it's like okay, well if you're if you're in week fifteen and you're twelve and two, uh, and someone else is twelve and two, you gotta you gotta go to the end to see who who's who gets to claim that that one seed and that buy. So I think. I think it has potential to be pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and I, now that you say that, you're making me – that's a great point because I don't have any data to back this up. But I feel like in the past, right, the race between the two and the three seeds, so buy versus no buy, because it's it was like the division winner, winners, right, I felt like there is going – there 
the gap between the previous two and three teams before is going to be much bigger than the gap between one and two now. So the, I yes. think that means the race for the bye is going to be more exciting because yeah. like you were saying before, you know, sometimes we'd have the two seed at least locked up by week 15, but like the gap between the one and the two could be much smaller, meaning that like Correct. those week 17 games against your division rivals, yeah. you know, again, it's always a division rival and maybe the other team has something to play for, but now mm-hmm. you're going to see probably a lot less like resting players at the end of the yeah. season. And you know, that could have big effects all across. Right. The board, so. Well, even going back to your point about that, the two, three being always pretty close. We look at last year, the going into week 17, uh, the Patriots were a two seed uh, behind the Ra- Ravens had the one seed far and away locked up. Uh, and the Chiefs and the Patriots were fighting for 2-3. And all the Patriots had to do was win against the Dolphins in Week 17, and they were the two-seed. <clears throat> <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> but um, it, that's how close it is. We're talking right. like we're talking a game one way. And um, I feel like that might have catapulted the, the Chiefs to a Super Bowl last year, the fact that they got that first-round bye. Because I remember I was on my high horse last year, like I usually am as a Patriots fan, saying that. No, us? Uh, mm, <laughs> me? No. Uh, about how I thought for sure when the Patriots beat the Dolphins and were the two-seed, I was like, well, guess what? Tennessee's going to beat Kansas City in the first round. Right. Like, come at me. And then I had to stare at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, shit. Now we're the team playing Tennessee. And uh, they yeah, came into Foxborough. Things, well. things didn't go well. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. I'm, I think it's, I think it has potential to be fascinating, but I do, I do agree with you in the fact that I don't cap it at seven, no more from, no more from any, any other conference because right. I, we're getting to the point where I don't want half the league in the, in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's similar to the, remember that time where the NFC West, the division winner was like eight and eight or seven and nine. Yeah. Not well, that it's the same the thing. Goddamn like, NFC East every year. They're right. all like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get to a point where that's like what we're expecting in the playoffs. So, yeah. I mean, maybe eventually if we just see a, a decrease in parity and there's like a lot more better teams around those seven yeah. spots, maybe, but you know, for now let's try it at seven and you know, we'll, we'll see kind of like what the quality of those, yes. what five through seven teams in each yes. conference is. So, yep. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about Thomas Edward Patrick Brady I think because it's the first time we've mentioned him on this podcast. Yeah, ever, right? <laughs> I don't talk about him often or have a five foot painting of him in my bedroom. No, nothing, nothing weird like that. Um, but obviously, you know, not not even speaking about this as a from like a, a, a pure Patriots perspective, Tom Brady switching teams was the far and away the biggest story of the offseason um just from the as like an NFL landscape and something that i find incredibly unique um about tom brady is how in the past you see a lot of these proven veterans come to new england on a one year prove it deal at the end of their career to kind of be like i got like one or two more chances to play in the NFL, like two more seasons or something. I want to do it with the best possible chance to win a Super Bowl. And so you had these guys come in and sign with the Pats because they wanted to play with Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady is not a Patriot anymore. So, you know, he's in Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden now, these guys who are veterans and who have been around the block, they're choosing to go to Tampa Bay because it's the same thing. And I kind of think it's like the Brady effect. I think it's these guys who are towards – the end of their career or, or really want something to prove um, are going to follow Tom. And you saw it with Leonard Fournette. Apparently he had a market of four teams and the Buccaneers came in at the lowest offer 
and he signed with the Bucks anyway because he wanted to play with Brady. Um, and that's what you, you've seen in New England for the last decade or so. Even even Josh Rosen. Um, did I steal your point? It's it's a, hey, it's fine. God One podcast. It. God damn it. <laughs> it's all good. You go. No, you but go Josh ahead. Rosen, he turns down. St- he could make the fifty-three man roster on on a couple teams. Turns it down. He's like, no, I'm going to go on the practice squad for Tampa Bay and learn behind Tom Brady. And I was like, holy crap. Like, people just want to learn or be around this man. So, sorry for stealing your thunder. No, all good. All good. And, again, I think you're spot on. I mean, for all these years, you know, it was tough to really tell whether it was any of this is the age-old debate. But was it Belichick? Was it Brady? Was it both? And not that it is proven that it's not Belichick now. But, like, we can very clearly see, like, the gravity, the pull that Tom has. Because, again, not only, you know, we've heard – A lot of these players, like you just said, sacrificing potential better opportunities elsewhere to go purposely want to play with him. But then you just hear like the reporters will ask them questions and they'll like they're just like, I want to play with the goat. Like, that's just like what they want to do. So like I want to do. Yeah, that must make, you know, the the GM of the Jason Licht. I forget how you say it. The you know, the staff at Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians like that must make their lives so much better. Just knowing that. like. Any key player that they might want, they're prop. They probably have a good chance to get as right. long as the cap works out because of Brady. Well, and I'll give the Bucks credit. I'll give Bruce Arians and the and the uh, front office of the Buccaneers credit. Like they're going for it. Like the Buccaneers have been so irrelevant for so long in the NFL, and now they get like hand gifted Tom Brady, the best, the greatest quarterback of all time, who then brings his BFF out of retirement and is like, oh. Here's also the greatest tight end of, t- of all time. Obviously, you don't know what Robert Gronkowski is going to be a year removed from playing, but I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, and then the Buccaneers start adding pieces around him that, you know, like are telling Tom, like, hey, man, you're here for two years. We're, we're going for the damn thing. And I, I commend them for that. Um, and I, who knows? I don't know. I, I think we talked about this in season one when, on our podcast. We got into the Brady talk a little bit. Um, Kind of going back to what we talked about earlier today, I don't know if it's going to mesh as well as people think right off the get-go for Tampa uh, because of the shortened offseason and not having joint practices and not having preseason games to kind of iron out some of these issues. But um, it, it might not be as pretty as people think for them right away. Um, but I, I'm... I will never, ever, 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 ever bet against Tom Brady. So I think by the time November, December rolls around, the Bucks will be humming and they'll be looking at, you know, a good seed in the uh, NFC. So, yeah. And and to borrow a legendary uh, catchphrase, they're 10 toes in, as you can oh, say. Yeah. Oh, um, they're, ten, they're they are 10 toes. <laughs> but in. One, one last point before we move on, I think yep. that is something that um, something else about Tom going to Tampa, not only, you know, what we just talked about is completely true and such a huge part of it. But not only that, improving what's already there. I've seen a lot. I read the story uh, earlier this summer about how people are expecting this to be like Mike Evans's biggest season ever. Yeah. And like, obviously, Tom's there now. They're going all in now, right? But like the lasting effects from the offensive line to the wide receivers, to the tight ends, to the running backs, like he's going to go there. And no matter what their success as a team is, like the good habits, the hard work, the like being a pro, the like, this is how you do things. This is what I expect from you. This is what you should expect from yourself. I mean, it's it's hard to really predict 
again, like we were talking about, are they a Super Bowl contender? Are they just a hype team or in between? But what I do think is almost for sure, and we know this from him being in New England all these years, is he's going to bring that level of like the hard work day in, day out, you know, being a professional and and really sh- in, like showing his teammates how to get things done. That's going to stay with the Bucks, And, you know, that's right. just added, added to the list of reasons why I'm sure the Bucks well, are happy he's Completely there. flipped the culture there. People say they, they walk in the room and they're just like motivated to give – 100% of themselves on any given day. So, again, that's just Tom Brady being Tom Brady and what he brings with his aura. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they how they do down in Tampa. But, you know, like I said, I might take a second, but when, when we look up at the standings in November and December, I'm sure they'll be there. Um, so, next point. Interesting point. A, a great point that Bruno threw into our document yesterday. Uh, no fans in stadiums. Or, or some stadiums have get to have fans. Some don't. Blah, blah, blah. This, this whole mess of things. Um, it does kind of vary um, by, by state and, you know, where kind of COVID-19 has spiked and where it's kind of slowed down and stuff. Um, but even in, in New England, you look, COVID has, it's, it's, it's it appears to be, Knock on wood that uh, it's kind of calmed down and has been relatively contained up here. And even the Patriots and stuff, they don't, they won't be able, they will not have fans at games in September. Um, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of a lot of things on the table with that that I find to be important pieces of the storyline going forward in this NFL season. Um, I, Bruno, you kind of mentioned in the in the document that it might be easier to communicate for players. Like if 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 you're an opposing player and you're playing somewhere like um, Seattle, Seattle, yeah, it's a great example. If you're on offense, you can fully expect that a you can't even use a snap count because you can't hear it, and you can't really make audibles to the line of scrimmage vocally. You can have hand signals and stuff, but it's just this added. Um, added element of things that you have to do in practice when you're leading up to a game in somewhere like Seattle that you, you're not going to have to do right now. Like I take it from the Patriots perspective week two, they're at Seattle. Seattle's not having fans in September. So automatically for the Patriots now, it's like, well, you're going to probably the toughest place to play in the country. And now you don't have to worry about fans. And I know the NFL has talked about, um, you know, finding some, uh, what's uh, like a recording of like noise and fans and stuff. And I don't, they, I don't know if they've made a decision yet. Have you seen anything about that? I've seen them talking about like, there's a certain level, like they're trying to figure out the certain level of noise they want to hear. And obviously they're going to have recordings that are supposedly going to be the whole season, but like, is it really going to be as loud as fans? Well, and Pete Carroll's like, to his point, Pete Carroll's like, well, I want it to be louder in Seattle because it's normally louder. And the NFL's like, well, I don't know if we can do that. Right. So it's it's interesting. Same thing at Arrowhead at KFC. Right. At, at KFC. Oh my God, in Kansas, <laughs> in Kansas City, um, that's a that's a terribly tough place to play. Uh, so it's it'll be interesting. I I do think I do think it'll be harder to get up for games. I I mean, you're an NFL, you're a, you're a professional athlete. You should be able to do that yourself. But like. I don't know. Some of these guys like get hype from um, 
from the from the fans. And you think about it on big third downs, all the defense is jumping around and waving to the, like the crowd, trying to get everyone pumped up. And you just don't have that element this year. So it's weird. We we haven't seen this. Well, we're UConn fans. We've we've seen out oh, UConn no. football games oh, and no. stuff, but <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's different. It'll be weird. Yeah, and and like you said, I I'm just trying to work through. We'll, we'll be able to tell a little bit after we have some some games being played. But going into it, I'm just curious, like. And this is something I can ask you, right? Because you obviously are a football veteran. I wonder, offense versus defense, if it makes a difference, if it depends on teams. My instinct is to be like, well, it's going to be easier for offenses. Because, yes. again, so the yeah, main yeah. problem they have, especially on the road, is being able to hear. Even sometimes at home, yeah. right? The defense, again, it, it will be interesting if they're also able to hear the offense, right? That, that I don't know if that matters. And, so, like they can now talk more between them. I, I don't know. It's 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 hard to really like know for sure. So I think it definitely gives an advantage to the offense and the fact that they can they can get out of a play, get into a play easier than they could before. And just from a, a snap count uh, type of perspective, right? When you play at places like Seattle or at Arrowhead and you see like that thing where the the center is like looking under his legs and like the guard will flash his hand so the center sees it and then he knows okay now I have to snap the ball that's because the center can't hear the quarterback make a snap count so it allows the defense to completely know when you're going because when that when that guard flashes his hand under like so the center can see it they're they're like okay it's coming here we go so it, it's it's a huge advantage now that like they're that you're not going to see that this year so um, I don't know. I think I think definitely advantage of the offense. The defense will be able to communicate just as well too. But typically, typically you do less communicating before play on defense. Right. You can shift around and stuff and communicate with each other that way. But uh, definitely uh, an advantage for the offense. Yeah, and and you know you you touched on that pretty nicely there. One other point that you know isn't as relevant, but it's just kind of funny. I wonder if we're gonna. Morris and be able to hurt be heard on like the mics like i know oh, the nfl yes. is notoriously like private especially after last year shout out sam darnold i'm seeing ghosts seeing like, ghosts that they was don't hilarious. <laughs> they don't they don't want a lot of that especially because the jets and you know a lot of their fans got mad you know understandably so but right, that was i wonder up. i wonder if you know we always hear some you remember how back in the day we'd hear peyton what was it omaha, omaha. Or whatever he said like i wonder if now you know obviously the nfl is aware of this so maybe they're playing the crowd noise loud enough the fake crowd noise loud right. enough that we can't hear but it will be interesting to see if we can hear anymore on the broadcast right i was kind of curious i was like oh maybe the nfl will mic people up kind of like the xfl did but then i was like mm. the nfl really doesn't like to get into like that kind of stuff yeah. typically no fun league the no fun time. league yeah thank you roger goodell <laughs> piece of shit um <clears throat> i coughed um so last point about the nfl then we'll get into some patriots talk is uh covid testing moving forward Right now, again, knock on wood, teams have been practicing at their own facilities, in their own bubble, in their own bubble, I say, with, with quotes, uh, and they haven't, like, traveled. So, they're amazingly, the NFL has seen very, 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 very few positive tests, which is great. I was worried, even off the get-go, that, uh, you know, someone would go out partying, they'd bring it to the team, a team would get infiltrated with COVID, and then we'd have problems. Luckily, we haven't got to that point. Um, hopefully we will not get to that point, but I do feel like somewhere throughout the course of the season, it's going to happen. There's going to be an outbreak somewhere, hopefully, you know, not a big one, but what does that look like? Let's say, um, I all back up first. I did see today that the NFL starting 
this week with the regular season starting, they will test players every single day aside from game day. So you will know going into like it's not like they'll test somebody on Sunday morning and be like, oh shit, you can't play today. So you'll you'll know your team, you'll know your roster by Saturday, which is good because I was like, man, that's gonna that would be tough. Yeah, that would be hard. That'd be really really tough. Um, but let's just say for example, you know. Say someone gets it, a receiver gets it on a team, and you have a cornerback who's been tackling him the whole game. What happens? What happens? Is he? Do they both get quarantined for fourteen days? It's I don't know. I maybe the NFL knows. I don't know, but it's gonna be weird. Yeah, and you hit it right on the head there. I it's just the uncertainty of how the ripple effects of one player testing positive. Right. I mean, what we have to look back on is in March or whenever it was when the NBA got canceled, you know, as soon as Rudy Gobert tested positive, yep. right? Every team he played in like the last week or two or whatever had yep. to be tested. They halted the games immediately. Like we just saw what happened with that. So, you know, again, like you, you that's spot on. If, if say like a, a running back, it tests positive, right? Think about all, any player you may have tackled them, the quarterback right. handing him the ball. And, you know, even if it's not other teams, if it's your own team, right? Like say you test positive in the middle of the week, and leading up to the day you tested positive or when you found out you were in meeting rooms with your whole other yeah. position and whatever. It's like, I, again, we, there's no way to know for sure. Obviously, teams are doing everything they can to be safe. But, you know, say say a quarterback or something tests positive, right? Are they out a minimum of two weeks, right? Or until they don't show symptoms or have multiple negative tests? If they infect all the other quarterbacks in the room, like who would play quarterback for that team or right. any position? So. I think this boils down to there's a lot of uncertainties and I'm right there with you in that, you know, I'm very, I'm very happy with how it has seemed to be so far with the limited number of negative or sorry, limited number of positive tests, but I am hoping and crossing my fingers, whatever you want to call it, that that's going to continue throughout this season because it's going to be very messy, very quick. If things, you know, if there's a couple of positive tests and they spiral, you know, out of control. Right. Um, Gun to your head. Do you think they make it through the entire season? Because I know the whole cold weather thing, they were like, that's when it kind of... Yeah, it's honestly it's really hard to say yes because like we're, you know we're not even just for NFL but like things like you know we've seen everything happening with schools right yeah. now, right and yep. some some schools are like you know being still at UConn UConn is even saying right now they're what they're having us do is be like this until November and then after Thanksgiving break we're not going back right you're going so you're staying like, home yeah so it's like if schools are already doing that and we see that from other things it's hard for me to really say and you know like we're seeing with the other leagues like the NBA and NHL are going to be ending before it gets to kind of like this cold so you know I, I, as a fan yes I love it 100% let's power through but like you said not hasn't been a lot of travel yet they're not exactly in a bubble they the most players on each team out of like any sport right so it's like I don't know. It's really hard to say. It's really hard to say with any certainty that, like, for sure, we're going to reach the Super Bowl with no interruptions. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you, hundred percent. I do feel like the NFL is going to do literally everything within their power. The NFL is king in the United States. Uh, it is far and away the biggest revenue from any of the big four sports. Um, so I feel like they're going to do anything they possibly can to keep keep it afloat. But we don't know what it's going to look like. We have no idea what's going to happen in the fall as we get into the colder months up here. 
Um, you know, it'd be nice actually that you just made me think of what if these like billionaire owners just like cured COVID like to save that. Wouldn't that be like, cool? Wouldn't that be like, nice hey, you guys have just... so much money. Let's put it to like, good use. Why don't, like, even if you say it's for football, it would still help if you cured yeah. it. So uh, people like football. No, that, that's a free idea from our brains right here. Someone feel free to pass that. Yeah, on. you can take it. Yeah, you just take it. <laughs> that just, would help uh, a lot. Credit playing the field. <laughs> yes. Okay? Just, yeah, yeah. Play, yes. Yeah. Credit us. Yeah. Credit us. All right. Patriots talk. Yep. All right, let's get into it. So well, everyone's been waiting. For I know all you Patriots fans <clears throat> and haters. Go. And ha- yeah, if you're a hater, enjoy this buckle segment. Up. Yeah, buckle up. All right. Obviously, biggest storyline. I feel like again, when Brady leaves, who is Tom Brady's replacement? Well, for a long time, it was Jarrett Stidham, or what it looked like was going to be Jarrett Stidham. I was all aboard the JS4 hype train. Oh, oh yes, I was, you were. <laughs> I, I was. I was the conductor. I was driving the damn thing. Um, but. Uh, Cam Newton gets signed uh, like two months ago. Uh, hand up, okay. Hand up. His hand is. I can. I'm looking at him. His hand is up. Right. My, now. my left hand is up. I think I messed that one up. I think I messed that one up. I didn't. I. I think I had these preconceived notions about Cam Newton. Um, just that I don't. Th- I didn't think. He, I thought he was kind of a prima donna. I thought that I. I have it etched in my head that Super Bowl oh play God. where he didn't dive on the fumble, and I'm like, how can you be? the team superstar and not dive on that ball. But I think that's unfair of me looking back. I think that's unfair of me to judge someone off of one play. God, I worship the ground that Tom Brady walks on. He's had some absolutely stinker plays like that too. So, I mean, it, it's, it happens. Um, but uh, everything you're seeing out like reported at a Patriots camp is that Cam Newton is, is doing a fantastic job. Um, when he comes in the room, he commands respect. He commands energy. He's bringing energy every day. That's the word I keep saying over and over and over again is the energy that Cam Newton is bringing to the table. And clearly it struck a chord with his team and his coaches because he got named a captain. Um, he's been named the starter. He is QB1. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I just think I, I didn't feel good about it at the beginning, but I'm I have flipped my, the script, and I am I'm excited to see what Cam Newton has to bring to the table. Yeah, and first of all, let me say, Kurtai, big of you to admit that. So props to you. Thanks. You know, it's it's uh, not always easy. Um, you know, adding on to what you said, I was right there with you coming into you know before we signed him. My thoughts on Cam Newton were like a like you said, not diving on that fumble in the Super Bowl. That was the biggest thing. But B, it was like. I had just seen him posting in weird fonts on Instagram. He kind of still does that. Yeah, I'm like, what is yeah, this guy? what is this? And then, like, you know, he – I don't know if it was the story always needed to be about him or that he was always injured. He there had was a thing lot. with the female reporter where he yeah. was like, oh, what are you, t- yeah. what are you talking about route about running? Like, yeah, that was, was like, weird. Mm, you yeah. can't. Don't hopefully, do that. None of that. No, no more of that. Yeah, hopefully he's learned from that. But um, I think the biggest thing that you have alluded to and what I'm realizing is that before right now, he had always kind of just been like the guy, right? Like he was at Carolina. He led them to a Super Bowl. He was like the superstar quarterback. He could do it all, especially before he got injured. And then I think what we're seeing right now is just a new motivation from him that we've never seen. And like, obviously, Belichick is the king of capitalizing on these situations. So like, that leads me to be a little more excited in that regard as well. But you know, he, he, the, the Panthers were like, we don't want you anymore. And like right. that was the first time in those he had... videos that Cam puts out on Instagram. Also, a lot of those videos get me from like six to twelve. Yeah, real quick. Hype, hype. <laughs> Just saying. Um, I he 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 says it in one of the videos. Like they left me for dead. Obviously, that's a little that's a little bit dramatic, but he's not wrong. He sat out on the on the market for like eighty days. Right. 
Like a former NFL MVP, sat right. when nobody wanted him. And again, I thought that was a lot. A lot of that was due to how poorly Carolina treated him for not releasing him right earlier. They waited. They signed Teddy Bridgewater, and then Cam was gone. But that was a good chunk into free agency where teams had their quarterback set. Right. Obviously, the Patriots didn't. They scooped him up, and it's worked out. But um, it just it just feels like he's having to prove himself for the first time in maybe a long time. Yeah. Like obviously, you know, in college, I think he won a national championship at Auburn. Right? He did. He did. Uh, before that, he had the whole junior college thing. Yep. But since the time at Auburn and then basically making it to the Super Bowl fairly quick into his time at Carolina, yeah. like he's just been not having to be in this position of like people expecting him to prove himself or whatever. And yep. so, again, yes, that is to our benefit because we – are getting him at a point where he's realizing like maybe things need to change, but still credit to him, right? Like he is clearly motivated. Yep. He's clearly doing and saying all the right things. He is saying all the right things. Right. And I find it incredibly well, no, I find it interesting. Um, obviously Bill Belichick is notorious for not saying much about his players. Uh, it's been all over headlines throughout the last two decades that Belichick will completely undress Brady in meeting rooms. Like he will absolutely get into him on like little mistakes. And I think part of that is Brady liked to be coached really hard. But I do think at the end, Brady's like, God damn, I'm done with this. I've won six Super Bowls. Yeah. Can you relax? Like, can you? And I think he was less tired of it. I think he wanted to go elsewhere. But again, Belichick doesn't really put out a ton of praise about his own players he's very private he keeps a lot of stuff within so i found i found this uh this quote i'm going to read pretty telling from bill belichick last week when he was talking to reporters during a, a zoom call about cam he said uh i can see why he had the kind of success he had at auburn and carolina in talking to people that were with him there the things that they said about him at auburn and carolina from a decade ago or two or three years ago even it was all the same and it showed up when he's been here in new england He's an extremely hard worker. Nobody works harder than Cam does. He's here early, he stays late, and he works very hard. Then Belichick goes on to add, some players like to work on things that they're good at, like if you're strong on a bench press, you just keep throwing on more weight. But Cam is the type of player that works on the things that he's not as good at and really tries to improve on a daily basis, and that's something that I really respect about him. That's not easy for players or really any of us to do. Look at something that we don't feel like we're very good at or is not one of our strengths and put an extra time into it. I would say it is natural tendency to do things that you're good at. And he's worked extremely hard to get into or worked extremely hard in all of those areas. That's like, if you get that from Bill Belichick, like you're doing something right. Cause he doesn't do that. Bill Belichick doesn't heap out praise like that. And maybe he's just trying to fire cam up. Maybe he's trying to get him, you know, trying to show cam that he has confidence in him to be the leader of this team moving forward. But I was like, Whoa, Belichick doesn't say shit about Tom Brady, really. I mean, I'm going to backtrack. This is me. Whoop, rewind. Backtracking. Belichick has said numerous times, like, hey, you know, there's no quarterback I'd rather have than Tom Brady and whatever. But I just feel like it's it's weird that Belichick's saying this so early in the relationship between him and Cam. Yeah, know. and and that's, that's the biggest point to me. I mean, yes, we signed him, you know, early in the summer, and he's had some time to practice and all that stuff. But again hasn't been a normal training camp, hasn't been normal anything in his tenure with the team, and already we're getting this quote from Belichick. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard not to be excited over it. I know now is probably the peak of it because we haven't seen him actually play yet, right. and that will determine the most. But, I mean, again, if we're talking about going off of what we can go off of before the games actually start, you have to be feeling good about what you're seeing both 
from Cam and what he's saying and doing, and not only Belichick, but like the teammates, right? Like a voter right. captain, everybody has great things to say about him. Like right. it just seems like there's, you know, this new energy and vibe around everyone that we're seeing. And yes, it's too early to tell what that will translate to, but it has to leave you feeling good. Did you see that thing uh, that uh, Victor Cruz put out, that little roundtable discussion? It was Victor Cruz, Odell, Gurley, and Cam. Did right. you see that earlier in yeah, quarantine? Yeah, I remember that coming out. So we, uh, there was a pretty detailed uh, conversation about a lot of different things. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Really, really high-quality stuff. Um, but something that was pretty telling to me was when um, – I believe it was Odell asked Cam, like, hey, like, how do you feel about following the guy? Like, and Cam's like, well, like, let's address the elephant in the room question. He's like, I respect everything that Tom Brady's done. It's good. It's great. He's amazing, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like Cam was completely unfazed about following Brady. I think he doesn't give a shit. I think he's like, whatever. I'm, I'm in New England, too rejuvenate my career and that's all I'm focused on I'm not focused on who I'm here after and he says something where he says like now coach McDaniels now he's like you can call <laughs> things you have never you've never been able to call before and he's right. right Josh McDaniels playbook now can be I mean he can open that thing up compared to what he could do with Brady and I'm I'm gonna get nerdy here for a sec we're gonna we're nerds gonna are us. nerds are us early. nerd alert here I come right so a lot has been made out about the Patriots receivers. And there's not – you have Julian Edelman, and then you have a whole bunch of like, pfft, you don't know. A whole bunch of you don't know. Uh, and there are receivers who really can't separate from defensive backs. So in the past, or especially the last year or two with the Patriots, is what people – what teams have done defensively is they sit in man-to-man coverage – and they get after the quarterback. And because the receivers can't separate from the defensive backs, you're not giving Brady a, a real opportunity to to do what he can do. Um, now, insert Cam Newton for Tom Brady. Obviously, you're not getting as as accurate of a passer. You're not getting you're not getting that. You're probably not getting as as smart of a player in the Patriots system because you know Brady was there for two decades. So eliminate that. But what you do get is if you're going to play man-to-man defense against Cam Newton, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have a lot of trouble because if your eyes aren't on the quarterback and you're not following that, he's going to take off, he's going to go, barring he's healthy. Again, we don't – The biggest question. We don't know because we haven't seen him, but everything coming out of Foxborough is that he is healthy. So you can't really – you can't do that. So maybe now teams sit in a cover three zone or something. Well, that means receivers don't have to separate because you find the soft spot in a zone and you're good to go. Um, and again, if you play a man, what are you can do is spy Cam Newton with one person. Cam Newton's a little—he's—I don't know if you've seen him. He's a Mack truck. He—he he is a he run you over. He's a—he's a physical specimen. He will—he will run you over. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Josh has the Josh McDaniels, the Patriots' offensive coordinator, has a chance to really open open the playbook up and um I don't know man I'm I'm like getting excited about it uh I think it has potential to be very very good as the season goes on yeah and and to add something on to what you were saying of course the playbook's going to look a lot different and that's definitely exciting one thing that you know maybe getting into it a little bit but that's what we're going to do here I'm excited about how you know in the past when a play would break down 
Brady would always just be very good about tossing it away, throwing it away. And that is something we always praised him about. He didn't like to take sacks. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. But what I am excited about now is that when a play breaks down for us, we're always going to have that potential for Cam to just be like, hey, I'm taking it I'm and taking I'm off. taking off. Like, And that's just, again, I don't know if you can quantify it, but there's definitely those plays every game. And you get a first down here and there. That could be the difference in the 100%. game. hundred percent. Right? So, and I remember as a Patriots fan in the AFC, we've seen plenty of guys. You have Deshaun Watson in with the Texans. You have Mahomes in Kansas City. Yeah, you have Lamar, Lamar in Baltimore. <laughs> You have these guys who can extend plays with their legs, and every time we play one of those quarterbacks, I'm like, God damn it, it's gonna happen. We're it's yeah. gonna be a big third down. They're gonna take off and right. they're gonna go. Right. And now it's like, hold on, wait a minute. Yeah. We got one of those guys. Yeah. So I think that's exciting. And again, I commend Brady for like, like you think about the the Buccaneers going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. Jameis Winston was not the kind of guy to sit there and throw the ball away and live to see another play. Jameis Winston's like, triple coverage? I got it. Interception? I'm, I'm throwing I need it. it. <laughs> I need it. Yep. So, I mean, again, I, there's a, I commended Brady for because that's not his skill set. But uh, it'll, be, it'll be exciting to see what Cam does. Definitely. Um, do you think he's here for just one year and then he's going to get paid and leave? Or do you think he – I mean, we're two months into the relationship, right. so I don't know. But So, my gut says – and again – there's so much more to go and I don't think either the Patriots or Cam's mind are made up. So with that being said, my gut says right now that he's trying to be as good as he can good this year. Good. Be as good as he can good. Be as good (laughs) as he can be this year. And then the biggest contract after this year he'll go to. I'm sure if the Patriots offered a big contract, he'd be like, assuming he does well this year, he'd be fine with staying here. But to me, it's like, you know, he just got through all these injury seasons. He just got released by the Panthers. I don't, do you actually, how old is Cam Newton? Do we know? Is he like 30 Mm, or 30? He's like 32, I think. So theoretically, after this year, this could be his last big contract because yeah. if it's three or four years, that takes you. You know, I know Tom Brady was in here. Tom Brady's Cam forever, is thirty-one, but, right? So you know, for quarterbacks not named Tom Brady or Drew Brees, yep. you're approaching that time where you're not going to get those big deals. So to me, I would say that he wants to parlay this season, have a great season, and that's you know probably some of the motivation yep. into getting the biggest contract he can get next season. What is interesting though would be. I wonder if it's a situation where one team maybe is at is offering an extra year and a little bit more money and the Patriots are offering one less year and like close but not at the level. Yep. That's to me where I wonder like right. would he the comfort the comfort having Bill Belichick, you know, having been in the system, would he rather stay there than, you know, potentially just go to a, a bad team yep. and get the money? TBD. So I th- again, way too early to judge, but I I I think a lot of it will depend on a couple things. One, Bill Belichick has never been someone who likes to spend a lot of money at quarterback. He's kind of he's, that's always Brady was always severely underpaid. Brady took pay cuts to get other people around him. Blah blah. I don't think Cam is looking to take a pay cut no. anywhere. No, um, he's taking a pay cut right now. I mean, seven and a half million. If if every hits every incentive in his contract this right. year is criminally low for someone like Cam right. Newton. Um, but who knows if if Cam goes off this year and has a great year? I think he's gone. I think he'll I think he'll cash in. And again, I think a lot of it will be: Are the Patriots comfortable with Jarrett Sidham? Are they comfortable with what they have behind Cam right now? If they're comfortable, I don't think they're going to overpay for Cam Newton. But I will say, I do think like Belichick. I do think Belichick really likes Cam Newton, and we'll see how the marriage goes. But I think you know potentially. 
if it goes well, the Patriots have a good season and the Patriots come with a respectable, a good offer to Cam, who knows? Maybe Cam's like, hey, this team gave me a shot when 31 others didn't. I'm going to, I'm going to, I like what, I like what we have going here. I'll, I'll make it. I'll stay. So, yeah. And I agree with that. And also to add on to your point, though, what would the Patriots want to do? Here's the thing that I'm thinking of, right? We're switching now. We've just talked about how we're switching the playbook completely. Mobile quarterback, he can run, different skill set than Tom Brady. We're going to try to make the most of that this year, right? We're going to make this huge transition, right? And say things go well and, you know, the receivers play a lot better. The running backs are helped by this. Everyone's helped by this. And it looks great. Right now, to me, and again, you know more about him than I do, but Stidham feels like more of a Brady. So if we yeah. went back to Stidham next year, yep. that's like having this year where we do all this transition and have all this, you know, say, hypothetically say we have all this success and, you know, we change it up and then we would go back to a player like Brady. Obviously, it might not be Stidham. There's draft people right. are saying Trevor Lawrence. I don't think we're going to be no, bad enough to get God, Trevor Lawrence. No. But, you yeah. know, theoretically, there's quarterbacks we could sign or draft next year. So it's not just Stidham. But it will be interesting if we have a lot of success with this new type of quarterback. Right. If we would then be like, okay, do we want to go back to a Brady type? And I'm not going to compare Jarrett Stidham to Cam Newton from a rushing standpoint. But I will buckle your brain for a second. Jarrett Stidham was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country coming out of high school. So wow. I would... Wow, Pre- I did not know that. <laughs> Pretzel your brain for a second. Pretzel. Um, obviously, he's not in the same echelon as Cam Newton or anything like that. But I, he's got a chance to. He got a chance to move. I, I okay. would. I would compare him to someone like uh, who would I compare him to? I don't know. Ryan Tannehill, who could get who could, who could move the pocket with his legs sometimes. Okay. Not someone who's going to beat you with his right. legs, but who if he needs to, he'll go get it. Okay. Um, okay. So that makes me feel a little yeah. a, a little bit better. So who knows? Yeah. A, that'll kind of play itself out as the year goes. Um, I don't think you're going to be running pure read option stuff with Jared Siddham. I think that'd right. be a little or triple option. Right. You're not going to do that. But um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, we're going to flip to the defensive side for a second. Um, we're going to kind of mix two things here. So the Patriots lead the NFL. They usually lead the NFL, but this is something oh. this is something they don't they I would love if they didn't lead the NFL right. in is the number of opt-outs that they've had. The Patriots have eight people opting out of the season due to COVID. Uh the next closest team is the Browns with four. So we're doubling the second place team in terms of that. Um and everyone's like, ooh, it's because they hate Belichick. Ooh. And to those people, I would kindly ask you to shut up because I don't think um, I don't think you know what you're talking about because a lot of these guys who have opted out, it's guys like Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Brandon Bolden, Marcus Cannon. These are guys who have been with the Patriots for a long time. They have proven they are NFL talent. They have won Super Bowls. They have cashed in. They've made a lot of money. They're older in their careers. Marcus Cannon has a cancer, so like the man is high risk. So he, I, good for him for sitting out. But it's these guys who have proven themselves. So it's kind of like if I'm if I've kind of proven everything that I have throughout the course of my NFL career, and I've I have two rings, three rings, and I have a boatload of money in the bank. Why? Why would you kind of risk it? I mean, I mean, I I see it from both sides. I see why you wouldn't risk it. So, again, I think that's I think that's why because the Patriots have had so much success and these guys have been here for so long, they're kind of like coach, like we're gonna take the year. And I think Bill's like, fine, that's okay. But it, it's it's different because they're not ring chasing and they're not chasing money because they they've got it all. So I don't know that that's just my take on things. Yeah, and 
I also want to add on to your point that you made about Marcus Cannon. I think I, I don't remember every single case, but I think for a decent amount of the eight that opted out for the Patriots, there was a situation where they themselves were higher at risk for some reason, or they their family, like yes. them and their partner, had just to, had a kid yes, yes. or were expecting a kid. Yep. So I think there are legitimate reasons, and again, not to say legitimate reason isn't you are looking out for yourself. I don't want to say that at all, yep. but I think there are things you can point to that are definite reasons why someone would want to opt out and i also agree with you i think we're seeing a lot of patriots veterans be the ones opting out i think to add on to your point it's definitely easier for them over maybe a rookie or a younger player with something more to prove because it's harder for them to lose a year and then to come back the next year and teams to still hold them in a high regard yeah. obviously these patriots that you're listing like we know marcus cannon has been like indispensable recently patrick chung you know bolden is valued for many different roles we know these guys who are opting out and hightower you know I, the list goes on we know what their value is and bill knows what their value is that probably leads to more of a comfortable feeling being like i can opt out and i know yes. bill is still gonna yep. um you know be there and and have me in a high regard I don't know the exact timing. I also wonder, like, it would be interesting if Brady was still here, if things would change. Right. There's no yeah. way to know. And, you know, again, that's not a reflection on Cam at all. But it is, like, I wonder if anything, like, you and I talked about on our last episode together, right? How the Patriots have been the most consistent things, basically, in our lives. Like, that's just what yep. it's been. This is the first year, not only is Brady not there, but it's COVID. Like, there's yeah. no fans. It's the most unnormal abnormal yeah. whatever you want to call it year we've had so it could just be that as well like yeah. it, you know you could For count sure. on everything being what it was previously and now that things are so up in the air it's like okay let me take a step back but i i, I do i do very much agree with you that i don't think it's a reflection of belichick i don't think it's a reflection of you know not feeling comfortable in foxborough or in the facility or anything like yeah, that I agree. there's a bunch of other reasons why i think right. these players chose to do what they did right and i know this is kind of going back to your other point about people the age-old question it's a belichick or is it brady and yeah brady had people leave with him and 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 go to tampa or whatever but i think we're going to find out pretty quickly if if belichick you know is what what we think he is because belichick's a defensive coach yeah it's he's notorious for being so he's losing six of 11 starters on defense he's losing van noy Daron Harmon, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Alandon Roberts, and then Patrick Chung, <sighs> who uh, opted out, and then Hightower who opted out. So that's seven. That's seven people. Um, that's a lot. Those are big names. Those are like <laughs> those are big names. Um, but I do think this is kind of a new wave into the Patriots getting younger on defense. You know, they sign Kyle Duggar with their second round pick this year, yep. a, a safety. They go get a, a couple edge rushers and Josh Uche from Michigan and team him up with Chase Winovich from last year, and they get uh, kind of a thumper from Alabama and Fernie Jennings to replace Landon Roberts. So I think you're seeing this transition to a younger a younger defense because it is it is an older defense. The McCourty brothers are old. Uh, Hightower is getting old. Uh, it, it's, it's been an older defense. So I think you're seeing a little bit of a, a youth transition, which I think is good. I think that needed to happen. Um, but they're like, this goes back to the rookie thing. They are going to be thrown directly into the fire because like I mentioned, Van Noy and Collins and Ro Landon Roberts and Dante Hightower, your top four linebackers last year, all four of them are no longer on the Patriots. So you have uh, Jawan Bentley, mm -hmm. Who's I think he's going. This is his third year. Yep. But who who has showed promise, 
but has also struggled with injuries. Yeah, if he goes down, man, my I don't know. I don't know because I know they went out and signed Brandon Copeland, who's been like a journeyman NFL guy with the Ravens and the Jets and all that stuff, who plays linebacker. That's all well and good. So you have Copeland, you have Jawan Bentley, you now have Jennings and Uche, but uh, there's a lot of question marks. And Wolf, I think I think you could potentially see the Patriots kind of uh, go into this. The Chargers did this the year they were really good, and everyone thought they were going to beat the Patriots, and the Patriots blew them out. They kind of shout put out, shout out. They kind of put more of strong safeties in the box, kind of like Patrick Chung. And the Patriots went out this year and they signed Adrian Phillips from the Chargers. Uh, they got Kyle Duggar in the draft, who are these guys who are bigger body guys who can go in and mix it up. Uh, so maybe that's what they'll do. I have no idea, and we'll find out. But. It'll be interesting from a defensive perspective. Yeah, and and one thing that I think will help, and that you know, I know it's almost like a cliche at this part, but the the do your job part of the Patriots thing, I I think even before a situation like this year, Belichick and the staff always did a great job of breaking it down for whether it was younger players, older players, all the players, right? Of like we're a team, but each part of this team has their specific role and jobs and make sure you're doing yours and that's going to add up to success, right? So yes, it is automatically going to be harder not having the veterans out there to kind of help as you're playing because obviously the coaches aren't you know actually on the field. The veterans are the ones who have been there and, and can help on the field. But what does give me some, you know, some promise and some hope is that the philosophy behind how the Patriots always play and always operate is something that I think automatically helps for players trying to get used to stuff. So like you said, I, I agree in that it will be uh, a definite injection of youth into all of the Patriots, especially the defense. Yeah. And then, you know, that'll be tough tying it into the lack of preseason and practice time, but hopefully the Patriots will be able to do what they usually do. And again, the next man up the do your job, hopefully yep. that's going to power us through. Just like I don't, I don't ever, you know, what am I? What am I trying to say? Just like I never actively think Tom Brady will ever let you down, I don't really think Bill will let you down. I think you can always rely on Bill Belichick because until proven otherwise, that's what I'm going to go off of. So it'll be interesting for sure. But um, I don't know. It might start slow, but I like the chances of kind of things going in the right direction. Right. All right. So transitioning really quick, we are going to be doing a super fun segment at the end of uh, each podcast where we're going to call it uh, the weekly pick six, but um, get it. Yeah. Because so we're going to pick what we consider the top six games of each week and we are going to pick our winners. So Bruno and I will talk about it and we'll, we'll take the top six games and then we'll go through and we will, we will make picks. I, we need to do something in some sort of, Maybe wager a competition mm-hmm. to see at the end of, at the end of the season who has a better a better record. Agreed. So are you, are you down for that? Oh, I'm down. Oh, you're down. TBD, what it is, but it's gonna be something. Both give us some suggestions. Yeah, shoot us shoot us some Look DMs us. in the comments. Look Do something. All right. So week one have to start with this one. Have to start with the first game of the season. Okay, Texans at the Chiefs. Oh, I should mention this too. Bruno and I both have our picks, but we have not told each other the picks. So. I, I I'm curious to see 
what what you what <laughs> what you got for these. So Bruno, you start first. Texans at the Chiefs. Who you got? All right. So this isn't going to shock anyone. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. It's just out of deference to they just won the Super Bowl last season. It's it's going to be the first game as defending champs. Not that much changed. We knew they were good, obviously. Not that much changed. On the other side, yes, the Texans are definitely a good team, and Sean Watson just got signed, but no Hopkins. Yeah, it feels like they got worse. It feels like the Chiefs, you know, are just going to be inherently better and at home. So it's kind of hard for me to be like, I don't want the Chiefs to win, but right. it's kind of hard for me, me to either. pick against them. And uh, you said everything I was going to say, hundred percent. I'm taking the Chiefs too for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, I I feel like the Texans. Bill O'Brien is such a moron. I don't know why you're trading DeAndre Hopkins from that team, but whatever. I'm taking the David Chiefs. Johnson. I don't particularly think it's going to be that close either. I think the Chiefs could. I, I think the Chiefs could yeah. put the put the hurt on <laughs> uh, and and make a statement in Week right. One here. So we're going to uh, the next game, uh, which is going to be Packers at the Vikings. So uh, I will go first on this one. I'm taking the Packers. Uh, as the as the road team, uh, the Packers swept the Vikings last year. So I think. Um, perhaps the Vikings have something to prove. Um, I I ultimately do think the Vikings could win the, this division, uh, but I, I think at the start I'll give I'll give the advantage to the quarterback play and I'll give it to Rodgers over Kirk Cousins. Um, so I'm, I'll take the Packers in that one. So this is the start of it getting spicy. Ooh. So I'm taking the Vikings. All right. again, not that I necessarily think anything you said was wrong, but this is gut. Right now, we don't have the data from any games played, right? So we're going off guts and we're going right. off of that's knowledge it. and Simply, that's how it. big our brains are, obviously. Yeah, big brains. So to me, two big reasons. Number one, the um, Packers drafting Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, instantly worse because there's another quarterback there who's <laughs> angry. Him. angry. I don't elf. care about these reports of him mentoring him. I don't care about him being motivated. No. To me, instantly worse. Yeah. Self sabotage. Aaron Rodgers decline. Bad. That's my first reason. Okay. <laughs> Two, my second reason for the Vikings, um, I'm a little bit biased because I had Dalvin Cook on my fantasy team last year. He's super good. I know he's had some contract he is stuff phenomenal. going on right now, but I think he'll be back in time. And they, they didn't they just sign someone else defensive? Who did they just get? I don't know, but they traded Stephon Diggs. Right, they did trade Diggs. But, so that was something for me. Right, no, that definitely a big part of it. I don't know. Just the, the Vikings, to me, it seems like, they're, they have a lot of the pieces, and like you said, they, they have a decent shot at winning division. This is probably, like, it's almost a if it not now, then when? Like, yeah. if ever. Time for me. So I'm, t- I'm taking the Vikings simply because I think they have more to prove, and yep. Aaron Rodgers, to me, his confidence. All right. All right. There's our first. Already a split. Let's there's go. Our, there's our first difference. <laughs> All right. Uh, Do you want me to start for the third yeah. one? All right. So Bucks Saints. So we just had this whole – Two episodes, the first one in season one, and now this one today of us talking about Tom Brady. I know we spent a lot of time going over how we don't think it's going to work instantly instantly well. However, what I am taking taking over all else, and there's a lot of... So I'm taking the bucks. Let's just get that out there. What, What I'm taking over all else, right? There's a lot of good reasons to pick the Saints and a lot of smart reasons to pick the Saints. Why I'm taking the Bucks is quite simply, I just to me, the overpowering thing is just Tom is going to will his team to win. Like, I think the team is going to be so hyped. I think Tom is going to want to come out and be so fired up game one against probably, like, up there for one of the best teams in the NFL. Like, the Saints are really good, best mm-hmm. NFC teams for sure. So, I'm taking Tom Brady in week one. Whether that lasts the whole season, you know, that's the biggest question. But to me, I'm taking him week one. Yeah, for everything you just said, I agree with. 
I'm taking the Saints. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I'm taking the Saints. Um, I feel like this game is going to be awesome, and just for reasons that I've stated, I don't. I don't think it. I, shoot, I don't want to nerd out again, but I don't know. I don't know because I haven't seen anything. No one's seen anything about how it's going to look. But I had my doubts about Bruce Arians' offense for Tom Brady. Bruce Arians runs this play-action-laden offensive scheme where he asks his quarterback to hold on to the ball for a long time. And if that's what they're running, I don't think they're going to have a, a, a ton of success. If they do incorporate more of the quick game, which Brady's used to uh, when he was in New England, I think they're going to be, be better, but I don't know. And I, I'm just going to take the Saints. I think they're going to start a little bit slow, so I'm taking the Saints on that one. You're being too smart. I'm with my gut. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just I don't kidding. know. Yeah, shoot. I don't, that's a tough one. It is tough. All right, Cardinals at 49ers. That's you going first, or is that me? It's I'll go first. Okay. I'm, my surprise team of the, of the NFL this year is the Cardinals, and I think week one they're going to upset the 49ers at home. I think the 49ers could have a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. I think that offense in Arizona is going to be lethal. Kyler Murray, take him high in fantasy pick, in fantasy. He should be a top four quarterback, I think, in fantasy this year. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is there. They got Christian Kirk there. I just think I, I, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to spoil the 49ers home opener, and I think they're going to take that one. So we're back on the same page now because I'm also taking the Cardinals. Interesting. I think. Okay. So to me, the 49ers aren't yet a team that you can almost count on to be good in consistent seasons. The yep. Chiefs are at that point. The Patriots obviously have been. You know, those Saints yep. right now are at that point. Yep. 49ers are still kind of new, and Jimmy G is still kind of unproven. That to me, yep. like there's a lot of examples where that that Cowboys team that went 13-3 in the next year, they weren't even close to as good. Yeah. Like the, it doesn't happen to every good team, but to me, the 49ers aren't at that point yet. They also, I'm pretty sure they lost Emmanuel Sanders, right? And yeah, he's, running a, back, he's with the Saints. Right, he's with the Saints. And one of their run, most one of their running backs they lost to, yep. you know, again, I'm sure they can find good pieces, but Cardinals quietly last year had, very, their offense was yeah. pretty much incredible. Very, so very good. I'm with you. Adding Hopkins is huge. I'm also taking the Cardinals. Interesting. I love it. Next. So next, Cowboys and Rams. Just talked about the Cowboys, so yeah. shut up. This this was one of the, if not the game among these weekly pick six that to me I just don't have the greatest read on. To be completely honest, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say. You know, there's been a lot of conversations about Dak Prescott and whether he's the guy you want. It's the same kind of deal with Jared Goff. Like, yeah, they made the Super Bowl, but they haven't really looked as inspired since. To me, I will say that I think I'm going to take the Cowboys. And I'm going to be completely honest. It, well, I just did a coin flip in my head and picked the Cowboys. <laughs> I, I, it's really hard for me to decide. I'm, I'm also taking the Cowboys right. in this one. I think that I don't think the Rams are that good. Right. I really don't. I think Bill Belichick broke them. Right. I think Bill Belichick literally broke them. He broke he broke Sean McVay <laughs> and he broke Jared right. Goff. He put out this game plan that every team took last year in the forty and uh, excuse me the Rams did not look the same. Um, I think Dallas has a pretty good defense. They did lose Byron Jones. Uh, which, shout out, shout out UConn, but how, shout out he's now in Miami, which I don't like. Uh, um, but I think the Dallas defense is pretty good, and I think that Dak and Zeke both have something to prove. I'm going to take the Cowboys, right? And then my gut says we're going to be in the same page for this last game. Yeah, well, we're Dolphins at Patriots. I'm going to tell you right now, we're both going to take the Patriots. Right. Here's what I will say: I think it's going to be really close. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be 
really, really, really close. I think the Dolphins could be one of the surprise teams in the AFC this year. Even with Fitzpatrick, though? Even with Fitzpatrick. Okay. I think Fitzpatrick gives the Patriots fits. Oh, I like what you did there. (laughs) Didn't try to do that. But he beat us last year in Week 17. I do think the Patriots will kind of be out for revenge. I don't think Bill Belichick will will lose to Brian Flores back-to-back games. Right. Um, But the Dolphins are interesting, dude. Like, I saw a tweet today that I forget. It's like Patriots South. Like, there are so many Patriots or players. So many coaches are down there. And then they have eight captains. Three of them are Patriot who were three of them are who they were Patriots last year. Right. Ted Karras, Van Noy, and Landon Roberts all got named captains. And I'm like, that was literally our that was our team last yeah. year. So um that was like strange to me. There are a lot of really interesting storylines in this game. But ultimately, I think due to the fact that there is no tape on the Patriots right. and nobody has any goddamn idea of what they're going to do, I feel like I'll give them the advantage because nothing's on tape. They could come out and surprise you. Right. There's a chance they could run uh, zone reads the whole game, triple options, quick pass game. Right. You have no idea. No idea. And I'll, So I'll, hard to prep for. So hard to prep for. So I'll take coaching. I'll take the better coordinators. I'll take the Patriots. Right. And so that leaves us four of the same picks, two different picks. So yep. no matter what, at the end of this week, we'll have different records. We, so. we sure will. Oh, wait. If we each win one, well, I know what you mean. Right, I know what you, yes. most likely. Yes, we will. We will. <laughs> Not have, a math guy. <laughs> yeah, we will, we don't we 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 don't like math. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna end here uh, with our way too early Super Bowl picks, um, just for shits and gigs, just for just for some fun. You can hold this, hold it against us if you want, or not. I don't care. So Bruno, I'm gonna put it all on you to start. Oh my god, you're making me start. Yeah, damn right I am. Your Super Bowl pick, for Super Bowl Fifty Five. So. At this point, right? Like we should do this again later in yes, the season we should, because we should, we should, we're doing we this with no data. No so data. Zero this data. Is, this is the only. But we're thing. not math guys. We're not math guys. This is the thing I'm going to say right now, right? For a Super Bowl pick before any games are played, you're going off of what you know from the previous year, and what we know from the previous year about the Patriots does not apply because we know like Nothing. it's just completely it's a different. Team. It's a new team. So as much as the fan in me wants to pick the Patriots, it's really hard for me to say. Yeah right now that the Patriots that are my pick that could change after week one, find me here next week, calling the Patriots Super Bowl champs for right now. It's hard for me in the AFC to pick anyone other than the chiefs because yes, the Ravens are going to be good, but still there's almost that thing with Lamar Jackson. It's like when it counts, he hasn't won yet. Like, can you count on him to take all those hits and run every year? Is it a flash in the pan? Right. We don't know. Prove it for more than a year. Right. Prove it for more than a year. Which the Chiefs have done. Which is why. And so, and again, it's like the Titans is the same deal. Like, they'll be okay. Yeah, they'll be be good. So it's hard for me to pick against the Chiefs. And then in the NFC right now, it's kind of like the same deal. I, You could say the Bucs right now. You could say that. But because we don't know, it's hard for me with any certainty to say anything. So, again, it's hard for me to pick at this point any team other than really the Saints. Mm-hmm. They just have – they seem to have the most talent. Yep. You know, Drew Brees at this point is probably running out of year. So, it's like sooner rather yeah. than later, he's going to need to go over the top. They have yep. Taysom Hill right behind him. So, again, no data to go on. I know the, it, that's an obvious answer because those are two of the best, you know, three or four teams in the NFL. But that's – that's who I'm looking at right now, but I am looking forward to making overreacting yes, to week one correct. in a week. Hell yeah, me too. Uh, so I, I agree 100% with your AFC pick. Uh, until someone knocks him off, I'm going to rock with the Chiefs. Can't stand them. Don't like them. Don't like anything about them. Uh, but they're really, really, really freaking good. Um, so I will take the Chiefs out of the AFC. 
And then I'm going to not go with Tom Brady in the Bucks. I am not going to go with Drew Brees in the Saints. I'm going to go with the most underappreciated man in the NFL, Russell Wilson, and the wow. Seattle Seahawks. Okay. So I am going to take the Chiefs over the Seahawks and have the Chiefs repeating. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't. I didn't say my way too early Super Bowl winner. But I'm going Saints. I'm going to Ooh, Saints okay. over the hump this year. Oh, that'd be cool. I'd like to see that. That'd yeah, be cool. Too. I would like that. The um, Saints are like our brothers, Patriots. Yeah, brothers. we're like we're like pals on yeah. Twitter. Like they're <laughs> like they the social media teams like yep. each other. Yep. Um, but f- that's it. That's a wrap on Woo. episode one. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. And you guys are stuck with us for 17 weeks. We ain't going pl- nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> so yeah. With that being said, thank you guys for listening. Please feel free to comment, DM, do whatever you got to do. Hit us up. We're we're available. Um, but yeah, with that being said, uh, we will catch you next time on Playing the Field. See ya next week. Next week. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no.